You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Rubin Yeshua Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron, Coat St. Luke's most prominent synagogue with its premier rabbi, Rabbi Pupko. I know that uh, there's been a lot of um, media attention in er- uh, to events in Eretz Yisrael, and of course, uh, in uh, not a city not that far from the Canadian border, actually, um, Buffalo, New York. And yes. uh, so I don't know if we can tie these two together, because I'll tell you, I haven't really had my ear to the ground, but uh, you're definitely somebody that uh, is, is aware. Um, let's talk first about Eretz Yisrael for a minute. Uh, between, I guess, is well, tell me, it was Israeli forces and and Palestinian forces there. So what, what happened? What's been going on is since uh, about a month ago, when this latest wave of violence uh, began, that has now resulted in the murder of 19 Israelis, uh, centered on the provocation coming from Hamas that Israel wants to change something on Al Aqsa, change the status quo. Uh, this has to do with the dispute about Jewish visitors to the Temple Mount, to Harabayat. It has to do with what they're permitted to do there, what they're not permitted to do there. And uh, Hamas, which wants confrontation with Israel, but doesn't want confrontation in Gaza, has really, really focused their energies on inciting uh, violence inside Israel, rather than uh, an exchange between Israel and Gaza. Because they don't want to, you know, they they they, they don't want conflict there because it leads to their own destruction. So they're trying to incite violence, and that's what they've done quite successfully, unfortunately. And as part of this, um, there was increased, you know, wave of terror. There were the shootings and the stabbings, and everything else. And, and, and shootings and stabbings, of course, of Israeli uh, innocents, citizens, right. th- for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. It took place in uh, Elad most recently on Yom Atzmut. Uh and now, uh, so Israel is increasing its uh, its efforts in, inside what's called the territories to apprehend the bad guys before you know more murders take place. So they were in Janine last week, and they were met with significant gunfire, which led to the death of of a real Israeli hero, a great a, a great warrior for Israel, uh, uh, and. Uh, and in the exchange of fire between the terrorists and the Israeli forces in Janine, in the crossfire, a journalist for Al Jazeera was killed, Shirin Abu Akleh. And then her funeral took place, which the radicals wanted to turn into a political event, obviously. They took the casket out of the hands of the family. They began chanting nationalist Palestinian slogans and waving Palestinian flags. The Israeli police, in an effort to restore the casket to the hands of the family were filmed, you know, uh, vigorously, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, engaging with the radicals who had taken the casket. And uh, the images of the uh, of, of the Israeli uh, security services uh, violently uh, intervening to, to put the casket back where it belonged. But the film doesn't look good. It just looks like, you know, Israeli another thing, it's like it's like funeral. So, right. So we not getting the whole picture. And of course, that was right. You know, people don't, you know, and again, it's just a million things went wrong here. Number one, the anti-leftist crowd in 
in, in North America mostly, immediately accused Israel of deliberately killing a journalist, which we don't even know whose bullet killed her. We don't know yet. The Israelis are trying to investigate, but the Palestinians are refusing to turn over their bullet or to engage in a joint investigation. The autopsy was performed by the Palestinians. They're asking for an international investigation. It is possible that it was an Israeli bullet. We don't know. We really don't know. But the anti-Israel crowd leapt to immediate judgment, not only accusing Israel of having killed her you know, inadvertently, but killed her deliberately, which obviously isn't the case. And... Um, and so, and, and then you had a member of, uh, you know, I think it was Rashida Tlaib who immediately posted that Israel killed this woman on purpose and others. It's, what's interesting about all of this is, as uh, there were many statements from Arab countries bemoaning her death, but very few accusing Israel. The Arab countries have moved away from the radical stance uh, of the past, and they've become, you know, there, many of them are now have diplomatic relations. Uh, with with Israel, and although they condemned the, the the death of this journalist, who was quite well known in, in you know in the, in the Middle East, um, they didn't they they refrained from directly uh, accusing Israel of killing her. So that's a radical change. Unfortunately, as much as the Middle East has changed in terms of Gulf countries embracing Israel, you know the the anti-Israel crowd, uh, the leftist crowd in Europe and in, in North America is you know is. Uh, is oblivious to the changes, and uh, it continues uh, to talk about Israel the way they always have. So, so when we have a, a, I guess, a high-profile death as this, which is also accompanied uh, by photographic evidence, you know, doctored or not, um, not seen in its totality, uh, like this was, it basically confirms the old canards and the prejudices and the lines that these. Uh, elements want to push into our uh, into our consciousness, and it becomes right. part of the, the news cycle. Um, I, you know, you know, obviously, um, you know, parent, and I, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's parenthetic. Journalists have consistently, since the time of modern journalism, even in the Civil War and 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 through that, in the Spanish American War, have always put themselves in the line of fire. And there probably have been, you know, quite a number of cases, whether it's friendly fire or uh, going into the line of fire. And I think this is something. This is one of the hazards of covering, and it's probably been true in Ukraine as well. Yeah, sure. Journalists, it's not on. It's not uncommon for journalists to be harmed or even killed while covering warfare or, or violent activity. But again, what's also not uncommon is for the Palestinians to flagrantly and flamboyantly lie about their confrontations with Israel and what has happened. The most famous case is Mohammed al-Dur, that kid who was killed and they claimed it was in Israel. The kid wasn't even dead. And, uh, you know, people have exposed that lie. But again, the, the lie is embraced at the beginning, widely accepted, and, uh, and Israel, because they check their facts before they talk, sometimes leave a void in the information battle where the Palestinians lie. The Israelis don't respond immediately because they want to get their, they want to make sure they're saying things accurately. They're in for the long game. They don't want to lose their credibility in the future. So they're more cautious in what they say. But in the interim, in the, in the 12 to 18 or sometimes 36 hours it takes for, these, for the Israeli army to, to respond through its spokespeople, the Palestinian lie has already taken root, you know, and again, been paraded around by those who want to think the worst about Israel and say the worst about Israel. And that sometimes hurts. The Israeli government and the army is much better now. They're much faster and they're on top of their game. 
but you know the reality is people want want evidence against Israel, so they'll use whatever they they can. Yeah. And I think we I think we've spoken in the past here about um, the the paucity of or the uh, of Israel's Hasbara uh, element that they. They don't do a great job, and that's been. I, I, I would disagree, honestly. I think they do a great job. I really do? do. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you're going to take evidence of, in other words, if you believe that because the effort has failed, that means the effort isn't good. Then you're right. But the the, the efforts failed because people don't want to hear it. Okay, right? people do I, not I, want to hear it. I, I thought maybe it had to do with the fact that it's one thing when you have a militaristic, uh, you know, focused society, and we and everybody is, is is together in their hatred that the story everybody got their story exactly the way it should be, like by the Palestinians. Whereas in Eretz Yisrael, you have a multi-faceted society with different groups, and there's there's always haggling, there's always, and therefore that 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 trickles into uh, Israel's Hasbara, that it also comes out somewhat fractured and doesn't always present a straight right, but, line. But, but let's take it a little from a different perspective. Do you think there's anybody working in the French embassy in Washington who is collecting all of the media comments made anti-France in the U.S.? No, they don't care, mm-hmm. right? We care. And maybe we care too much. And maybe we're hyper, you know, I'm not saying we're hyper, it's not so much hypersensitive, we think it matters. We think it matters. And maybe it doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Maybe, you know, we have to accept the fact that things are much better than they are and in some ways much worse than they are. What I mean by much better is the anti-Israel campaign that goes on in the media has been with us for 50 years. Yet, in public opinion polls in America, support for Israel hasn't suffered a precipitous decline. It's, it's remained relatively constant except among the younger people. And, and even that evolves over time as they grow, as they, as they get older. So maybe we exaggerate the impact of the media lies because the fact is we've been living this for five decades and Israel is still widely popular wherever it's been popular and unpopular wherever it's been unpopular. And in fact, support for Israel has increased in Europe over the last two decades, probably due to you know Arab terrorism, Muslim terrorism, in Europe, but the, but its support for Israel has increased. So maybe we take the media too seriously. Uh, Th- that could be. Well, let's you talk know, about. So well, it, well, no, but, but it is yeah. worse. But it's also worse than we think it is in some ways, because those who want to believe the worst are never going to be convinced by a better headline or a better op-ed. Well, let's segue into, uh, as I said, an event that occurred only 28 miles from the Canadian border, approximately in the Topps grocery, Topps friendly grocery store in Buffalo, the horrendous shooting of, uh, I, I, I think it was, how many victims was that? I think 10, 10 victims, never. And um, of course, this event has now uh, been turned into, I mean, you know, the amount of media attention, scrutiny, the, and, and here again, we have uh, a, a clear, you know, a horrible manifesto from this 18-year-old um, uh, shooter, uh, and now you are hearing uh, consistent voices throughout our media here in, in the U.S. How this is again the Republicans' fault that the that there's a whole that there's racism is being is entrenched in in the Republican Party, and um, 
uh, you know, Fox News and everything is all to blame for for the rise of this fellow, and he's not a lone wolf. Um, so again, you're taking a, a terrible, terrible story uh, of obviously somebody who was uh, from much more than just the radical fringe, and it's again, I think, being turned into a cause celebrity, a certain uh, political talking point. Um, and I, I, I didn't hear Biden's remarks. Listen, but- I, I listen. I have never watched Tucker Carlson. I've read about him. I've, I never watched. Uh, I never watch any TV news. I don't watch MSNBC or Fox. I end up having to read about it, but I, I don't watch these guys. But what I, here's what I would say: There's a couple of ironies here. Number one, as a Jew, the first mind-blowing irony is this fellow walks into a. Uh, into a, a place uh, heavily patronized by African-Americans, targeting blacks, as he's wrote in his manifesto, and talking about the replacement theory that has been bandied about in the extremist circles, that there's a deliberate plot engineered by Jews to dilute white Christian America by bringing in people of color and third-world immigrants to, to the U.S. Okay, that's the great replacement theory. It started in France. It's the same sick idea that animated the uh, the tree of uh, life the tree of life life killer in in 2017 where 11 jews were murdered it's the same idea that motivated the guy that walked into the walmart in el paso and i believe killed 21 latinos it's the same idea that animated and motivated the christ church new zealand mosque shooter who went to two mosques and killed 51 people on the same day this idea that, that, that there are western elites and jews who are trying to destroy the West through immigration. Okay. Now, a couple of ironies here. The fellow who walked into the top supermarket in Buffalo wrote something on his gun. He wrote the name of Virginia Sorensen. Now, if you know this, why? Why? Who's Virginia Sorensen? He was avenging her death in his mind. She was one of the, I think, six people who were killed last year in a small town in Wisconsin in Makusha, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, and the the extreme right have talked about this story as an exemplar of black on white violence. And she was she was the one that was uh, killed by the SUV driver, right? In, in, in the Christmas parade in Wakusha, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's Waukesha, yeah. but it's all right. We forgive well, you. Waka, I don't know how to pronounce the name Waukesha. Okay, Waukesha. so this little town in Wisconsin, Waukesha. I don't. know. It's closer to your world than mine, you know. Yes. yes. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, so this guy mows down these people at a Christmas parade last year in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Now he also left behind a manifesto, and his manifesto was also filled with anti-Semitic rantings. So here you have, you know, the lunatic on one extreme who walks in and kills ten black people. Right, you know, motivated by this anti-Semitic conspiracy theory of the Great Replacement theory, right? Avenging the death of a woman, he thinks, who is also killed by a guy who leaves the same theory. That's also anti-Semitic. So these two people, right, who are diametrically opposed on every issue in the world, right, yet agree that somehow we, the Jews, are the problem. And what about and what about the subway uh, attacker uh, in the beginning of April? Uh, in January in Colleyville, Texas, right, is uh, it, it wants to free an Al Qaeda operative who's in prison not far from Colleyville, right? 
Oh, you know, that's in the, in the synagogue of Colleyville. Then you have a black nationalist attack a kosher supermarket in Jersey City. Then you have ultra liberals, uh, ultra leftists attacking kosher diners last year in May at a kosher restaurant, a sushi restaurant in Los Angeles. So whether you're a extremist on the left or an extremist on the right, whether you're a white nationalist or a black nationalist or a Muslim religious radical, you have imagined that it is us, the Jews. Right, like Tom Lehrer. Remember the Tom Lehrer song from the 60s, Everybody Hates the Jews. That's about it. So it's a crazy world we're living in. But that's one irony, is that, you know, both the killer in Buffalo and the killer of the woman whose life he was avenging, whose death, I should say, he's avenging, agree that, you know, it's the Jew that's the problem. That's one irony. Irony number two is, listen, the fact is, for a good 15 years, uh, people who write about politics in America and are in, our, uh, in support of the Democratic Party have been saying for years that there is a impending democratic permanent majority due to immigration now that's obviously radically different than saying immigration is the result of a deliberate focused conspiracy to dilute white christian america but it is the democrats who've been screaming for years how there's this demographic change underway which will doom the republicans to permanent minority status because they're bringing because people are coming in so the democrats are screaming and yelling from the rooftops we're the future because of immigration and then they get upset when the lunatics on the right say oh they're bringing in immigration because they want to do that now when a republican uh, politician says the democrats want liberal immigration because it helps their electoral process is that an anti-semitic or racist statement but when you say it's the result of a deliberate conspiracy by jews obviously you've crossed the line but again the the democrats for years have been saying immigration will help our electoral prospects the republicans say in response maybe recklessly that the democrats deliberately want a liberal immigration policy because it helps them now all of this ignores another ironic point which is until about 20 years ago, it was the Democrats who were anti-immigration and the Republicans who were pro-immigration, right? Reagan always was pro-immigration. We had, the Republicans always had a very optimistic view of immigrants coming and assimilating. The Democrats were against immigration, Bernie Sanders, Barack Obama, because they felt it hurt the white, the, you know, the, the, the unions that were a part of the core Democratic constituency. So the ironies and the contradictions and the hypocrisies abound. I'm sorry for ranting. No, no, it's great. It, it, it takes up the time that we need here. But I, I guess to, <laughs> to, to wrap up what we to wrap this up, um, you know, obviously the 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 deaths horrible, tragic. The uh, intent of the uh, of obviously a deranged person has been um, you know, politicized uh, to the point that you know it's being used as a cudgel and a, a club against. The, the totality of the Republican Party, and and that right. seems that seems to be uh, unfair. And 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 look, Biden did not uh, fly out to these other events that you said. Uh, right. There was there was here, you know, it, there needed to be a public declaration. Exploiting it, exploiting it to defame their political adversaries. But again, let's remember. Okay, as much as the, the Democrats can't let go of January 6th, just a few years before that, 
a Bernie Sanders supporter, opened fire on a congressional baseball game sure. and severely injured Steve Scalise. So it has, does anyone ever talk about that? But that was a Bernie Sanders supporter who opened fire. Right. So I, okay. I think the, I think when we say everybody, let's get we can tie all of this up. We know that the media outlets um, and 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 there and, and the plethora of them and the deluge of them are are predominantly uh, dominated by a more liberal um, yes. mindset. And therefore, when you talk about everybody, that's what people are hearing. We've we've both spoken about you know, what we don't like about the New York Times, but both of us know that we've got to read it every day, right? We, we, right? Because if not, where we're going, we we would not be okay with the Wall Street Journal by itself, right? We, and and therefore, and this is just indicative of of everything else. You might not listen to Tucker Carlson, but the general atmosphere, and whether it's from the New Yorker magazine or others, is generally one that that shunts away from, I guess, there's no question. They've become uh, more and more uh, partisan, more and more uh, reflexively anti-right wing, anti-Republican. But, Whether but, it's the New York Review of Books, New Yorker, the New York Times, it, it become, you know, I hate to say, it, but a lot of their writings become partisan hackery. It really has become that. But uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and it's a chaval, especially for people like ourselves, who you know, again, can't be glued to the images, but we'd like to read what would be considered, you know, good, concise. Uh, synopses and descriptions, we're not getting that. You can't get that from any news outlet anymore uh, about what really happened. And uh, you know, that's like, I guess it's unfortunate because you know, uh, you know, there have that I think is it's, it's almost a, a, a sort of a talent which is despised and nobody's doing it anymore. It's like, right. you know, just describe what happened. Even right. what you said, even you said that the killing in Janine or the killing at the at the supermarket, you know, I, I think that these these details, which allowed the reader to make his own uh, assumption and and to understand things, I, I think that's been denied us. In other words, this what, what screams at us uh, at us is just the is just the headline of look what look what's happened look what carlson has done look what the yeah. look what and and, and 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 we are the poorer because of it and that's true in eretz Israel and everywhere here our score as well well rabbi right. we will of course uh hopefully be back uh next week and next week. as we as we approach towards uh the great holiday of shuas we'll be able to talk on great rabbinic matters and beyond take care everybody <laughs> we'll catch you next week be well bye-bye Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 